Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Folks, we are back. I have one of my favorite people in this world, Mr. Mark W. Travis. He is someone who is somewhat of a mentor to me when it comes to uh, to writing, but mostly just storytelling in general. He has helped me to really look at things when it comes to storytelling, specifically characters, character development, all these little things that we as storytellers really should actually be looking at more than just the narrative. Because if there's anything that really puts a great story together, it's the characters. Because without them, the story can't move forward. The story is not even a story. It's merely just an idea. So I am going to go ahead and just introduce my favorite person in the world here, Mr. Mark W. Travis. (laughs) Thank you again for being on here. I appreciate it. Good, sir. Boy, thank you. That was, that was a, a lofty introduction. <laughs> well, I try to hype you up as much as I can. Because, <laughs> well, because, I appreciate it. Well, that's good because you are someone who has a lot of experience at this, but uh, and not only as just a storyteller, but also someone who just knows, as, as one of the phrases that you've always told me is, getting out of the way of the character. Let them right. tell the story, not me. So right. before we go any further, um, can you just introduce yourself to our audience a little bit? And uh, one of the things I always ask is, tell us something that we don't know about you that you really that you're willing to give up. Wow, something you don't know about me that I'm willing to give up, and an introduction at the same time. Yeah. We'll start with the introduction, and maybe something will pop into my brain that'll be something I want you to know about that you don't know about. Oh, I, I know what. Okay. Um, a little bit of an introduction for those who don't know me. I am essentially a storyteller, but I, I started out in theater many, many years ago in college and then went to graduate school at Yale and then got into film, storytelling and film and television. And so I've consistently um, crossed all of those um, areas. In fact, we just came now from, my wife and I just came back from a meeting, a production meeting at a theater because we're doing another play here in Hawaii. Anyway, so that's my background. I started teaching, started teaching uh, what I was teaching uh, to be really transparent as a way of surviving. I thought surviving seemed to be a good idea, so I needed to do something, and so I started teaching. I was actually teaching acting. And then people said to me, why don't you teach directing? That's what you're brilliant at. And so I started for the first time teaching directing. And that directing teaching took off over the years 
um, hugely to the point of writing several books about it, to the point of traveling around the world, uh, being invited by film schools and film organizations around the world to come and teach. And But you have to understand what I'm teaching is stuff that I had either developed or created on my own. Surprise, I think you said, Maccabee, something that you didn't know. About 40 years ago, I was living in New York City, and I lived there for many years. And for the first four years that I was living there, I got into running because it was a big fad at the time, and I got into running races. And over the four-year period, I ran a marathon every year. I run shorter races during the year, but every year, I, so I ran four marathons. The last two that I ran was under three hours, which means I qualified for the Boston Marathon and all that. So it's, that's running pretty fast, 40 years ago. Since then, for 40 years, no running, because I decided I better concentrate on my career because running takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And so for 40 years, I didn't run. We moved to moved to Hawaii a year ago, and the Honolulu Marathon went right past our home in Hawaii. And I we went out to watch it, and I was hooked. And my wife, Elsha, knew that I've always wanted to run one more marathon. So 40 years after not running at all, I started training again. And last December, I ran the Honolulu Marathon. So there are my secrets. There were some things you didn't know, I bet. <laughs> No, no, I did, I did not know that you were a uh, a running guru now. Not now only I'm are now, you, see, I'm a return. I'm, I'm a returning. I'm returning to running. Hey, there you go. Aren't we all yeah. running a, a race somehow, some way well, in our lives? Yeah, that's, some of us just take it. Some of us take it just a little bit further than others. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I try not to do any more running. I did enough of it in the army. I'm good. I don't need to do okay. it unless I have to. But let's get to something that I think a lot of storytellers forget. And that is we're talking everything characters. We're talking everything storytelling and the the things that really we need to do. And again, like I said mm -hmm. in the intro for you is that um, we need to get out of our characters way. Because one of the right. things that you, you always told me was, is that the characters are always in us. They've lived in us for a long time. They've right. always been there. We just sometimes get in their way. Why is it that you think a lot of people really try to mold those characters in a certain light when they should? Ah, very good question. Not the one I thought you were going to come up with, but that's good. It's a good one. Why did they mold it in a way that, I think you're implying that is probably not going to work that well. <clears throat> and I, there's one aspect of storytelling that you have to be really careful. Well, I have to be very careful about this because I will fall into this trap. The question is, what's more important in your story, the story and the plot or the people? And many times the plot becomes more important. Oh, I got this great idea about these people who do this and they do that. And then this happens and that happens. And you go, wow, that's, that sounds fascinating. And now you are in the, the danger zone that you're in is you will do anything to make that plot work the way you think you want it to work, the sequence of events and who comes out ahead and what, what happens in this what happens by the midpoint? What happens in Act 3? And you know exactly how you want it to work out. So you will, as you said, Maccabee, mold your characters to doing things so that your plot will happen. That's true, yeah. Because I've noticed a lot of storytellers, as much as they have this passion and drive to, to create these great stories, they're forgetting about the real centerpiece of these narratives, and that's the characters. Right. Because one of the things that I really, uh, I recently came across a a blog about character development and all these little things that go with it. And one of the things it said, and I actually have it in front of me, it says, um, when creating characters and getting the basics down, they are thrown into three different phases of character building and it is character conception character development 
character clarification. Some people out there, they're like, well, I thought character development hit all of that stuff. Can you give us a little bit of a example of what those three entail? I'm, I'm going to add a th- fourth part to it. Oh, okay. Okay. Which may, which may, may, may be the clarif- in the clarification zone. But going back to the, the uh, conception, you have this idea of the character. We'll just make up the, there's this guy, this macho guy who is getting old and he can't be as strong as he wanted to be. Now that's a conception and he'd like, and he's still trying to prove himself to the world or to younger people, or whatever. Then it's the development. The development is basically his history, his background, his history, and more about his internal world, his internal life, and who he is and what he believes in and what he's afraid of and what he aspires to. And then the clarification is the arc of the character. What journey do you want to take this character on? Which means you have to think about, okay, I'm going to tell a story about this guy who is trying to prove himself uh, to a younger generation that he's still as vital and as vibrant as he used to be. Okay, and as he does that, now you got to think about what obstacles does he run into which are testing him and how is he going to respond? And now you're creating that arc from beginning to middle to end of that character. And it's that arc which is really the essential part. Now you need everything else before that. You need the conception. You need the de- development and the clar- clarification. You need to be really clear about who this person is. But you have to know that character so well that you know as of when you as a writer throw in that complication, that obstacle, like this during a workout, he has an injury. Great idea. An injury that he's never had before because he was working too hard. Great. Now you have to know him well enough to know and understand him well enough how he's going to respond to that because it's not just the obstacle that character faces, but how he responds, how he tries to overcome it, whether he does or does not or lies about it or ignores it. What That's, that's where we see the character revealed. And that's part of the arc, which is going to take him to the end. And I'm just suggesting the big final obstacle that he faces is the worst one that he has to face, which is actually himself. He realizes there's something about him that he has to either admit to or overcome or as a challenge, as a personal challenge and facing whether it's just the age or whatever it is, self-esteem, whatever it is that he's fear that he's facing at the end, you have to know what that is. Then you have an idea. The arc, the arc of that character, and then you have all the other characters who are also going through their own arcs, and you have to know what those are. They're not just functions of a story. His wife, for instance, is not just the function of a story because he needs to have a wife. She's a she's a character on her own journey, and their journeys are going to collide. And sometimes they'll work together, sometimes they'll conflict. And you see this how this have a sense of how all of this is going to play out way before you start writing anything. I mean, you're writing about this, but you're not writing the story yet. Yeah, because, you know, I, I love how you said all that because it's, it brought me back to something that um, that you said earlier, and that was that all these characters are driving the narrative. All these characters uh-huh. are being developed in a way that many times we don't even know where they're going to be at. Right. Mm-hmm first start now obviously we have different ways of writing we have those that are the plotters then we have those that are the pa- uh, painters painters no painters i don't know not, they're not painters <laughs> well we're all painters in a way no. uh, pan- panters panters that's what it was um so for those who don't know what those those terms are uh, a panter is someone who writes organically they they don't have anything written out they're just mm-hmm. ones that just let it organically flow out of them, and they just write what's going on. The the plotters, though, just like the definition says, are those people that have every little detail already uh, made up. They know where right. they're going with this and everything like that. And then, of course, there are those that are, you know, a little bit of both, which is like right. what I am and what Mark is. And my question to you, Mark, is that, do you think these same phases are something that both plotters and panthers can still use to really yeah. create these characters? Absolutely. And I think the, um, 
the important thing to me about developing characters and then releasing characters into the journey, um, as you mentioned earlier, is you know get out of the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, the more the more you can, and this takes um, practice doing this. That the more you can allow the character to take over, so you can see where the character really wants to go, and we could talk about that later how how to do that. But also, there's an important uh, part of writing um, that I actually became aware of because it's also an important part of directing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go directing for a second. When I'm directing actors in a scene, my job is not to find out how, this, how I can direct it so the scene works best, seriously. My job is to get the characters in that scene into trouble so that the character has to fight their way out of that problem and f face real obstacles within the scene. So don't make it easy for the characters. Make it hard for the characters. And actually, in terms of directing, the harder you make it for the character, the easier it is for the actor because the actor will feel the obstacle. The actor will feel the challenge and doesn't have to pretend that they're in trouble, pretend, you know, pretend what the character, quote, feels. But it's the same thing with writing. Write your character. If you follow the character, because here's a, here's a trap you can follow to, fall into. You're writing the character and the character seems to want to go this way. And you go, oh, no, 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 that won't work. <clears throat> no, 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 that won't work. What you're really saying is that's not fulfilling my need as the writer. Well, I'm going to tell you something that you may not like to hear, but you know, your characters don't care about you. They don't even know you exist. And they don't know you have a plan or a plot. So if you're writing the character and you're going, oh, he, this is this is going is going way off track. My suggest suggestion: keep going, keep going, and see where you end up. And you may end up with now my character is really in trouble. I don't know how to get him out of this. You know, this is like the best, you know, um, Indiana Jones thriller. You know, where the snakes are coming or whatever it is. You go, this is great. And you might have some to be the snakes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But, you know, it's, um, you know, the thing is, we get thrilled when the characters get into trouble and we, because then we start rooting for them. So let your character get, write your character into trouble. Because when you figure out, and it may take a while, when you figure out how your character is going to get out of that problem, it's going to be much more exciting than if you had protected the character from that problem so you could protect your storyline, your plot, or whatever. Now, here's another question, because I'm, I'm glad you brought up, the, again, the directing part, because in a way, authors are directors. We are the directors yes. of the story. We are the directors yep. of these characters. We are mm -hmm. the sound. We are the environment. We are everything. We are mm -hmm. totally everything. In doing that, you know, I kind of noticed that when I was going through your seminar, uh, what was it, a couple of months ago, um the one on staging yes the one on staging okay. uh, yep. that one i i thought it was very first off i gotta say i loved it because it made me look at characters in a different light too mm -hmm. and um we can talk about that a little bit later too but one of the things that it really brought up to me is that we we all have different ways of writing and there are different ways of writing specifically you know for scripts comparative to a book but they all right. work in the same way with the characters can you give us a little bit of an insight because you know again you being a director and a storyteller you know at heart is there really any difference when it comes to the character development between you know someone who's writing for a script compared to someone who is writing a book well well there, yeah there's a huge difference one is, is one essential difference. If you're writing a novel, first of all, as you're pretty clear, the novel itself is the final product. That's it. And that's what is delivered to the audience, to the reader. And that's what the reader, that's how the reader gets the story is from those words on those pages. Uh, when you're writing a screenplay, it's not the final product. The screenplay is not the final product. The film itself is the final product. And a screenplay will not contain 
what I think is the most essential element of the story that won't be in the screenplay, which is really uh, what the characters are thinking, dreaming, fearing, wondering about, um, struggling with internally. It won't be in there. It'll the writer, a good writer, will do their best to sort of indicate what it could be. And you, as a reader, will probably read it and go, oh, no, I can feel it. Well, you'll feel it, but it's only because you're projecting it into the characters. It's not actually written there. So the big difference between the novel and the screenplay is in the novel, you're writing all of that. We could take this character that I just made up who's trying to prove his self-worth to the younger generation. I could do a whole chapter, or you could, or a whole chapter on this guy, on what he's struggling with internally while he's... Let's say he goes back to the gym to work out for the first time in years. And as he walks in, and he's standing there looking at the gym. You can write a whole chapter on what he's thinking as he stares at the gym and what he's remembering and what he's afraid of. You can do it. it could be a fascinating chapter. You can't do that in a screenplay. You can have him standing there, but, you know, you're not going to have him standing there for very long before something has to happen. Um, so that that's the... Big difference is how the internal journey of the characters is delivered to the audience. And in a screenplay, or in not, not in a screenplay, in the film, it's done by the actors in conjunction with the director, obviously. Getting back to your mentioning the staging of a scene and how it's staged, and can we stage it? What we talked about a lot there was staging the scene in order to reveal what's going on inside the characters, or in order to trigger what you want to have going on inside the characters, inside, in, actually inside the actors, through the staging, and how we're, we're bringing that, what I call the fifth element, to the story. So when you watch the film, you can feel, you know what they're thinking, you know what they're feeling, but that's all done in the filmmaking process, not in the screenwriting process. Yeah, I, I noticed that when we really look at the differences, you know, there is obviously, yeah, you're right, you know, when you're doing a screenplay, you can't do all those internal emotions or thoughts like you can in a novel, mm -hmm. but but you still are able to express it in some way, shape, or form that really drives the audience to really either love or hate the situation or that the characters are going on. I've noticed mm -hmm. that the more anime that I've been watching lately, it is something that has really pushed me to moments where I just don't even, I don't want to continue watching it because of the fact that I've fall I fell in love with these characters and I mm -hmm. don't want the the next step of you know what what's going on with the plot. You know, if they're like um there's one that's called um I was reincarnated as a slime. And this character, you know, becoming this really great warrior uh from this monster into this character that people just truly love and now He's in a situation where his people are getting hurt while he's away. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see that because I love these characters. Yeah. Why is it you think that what do, what do you think, just knowing that that part right there, is why I've I've fallen in love with these characters? Is it just because of the situations that they the conflict? Or is it just because of the characters themselves in a way? You are identifying with those characters in some way, consciously, or maybe, which is even more powerful, unconsciously. They are tapping something inside you that you may not even be thinking of or aware of, whether it's fears, desires, aspirations, whatever, whatever it is. And so you fall in love with them because it feels like Perhaps it feels like their journey is similar to your journey in some way, that they are taking this journey that you want to take or are afraid to take or something. So you're identifying not just with the events of the story, you're identifying with them in some very, 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 very powerful way. And it can even be, and I've had this happen, I'm identifying with some characters who are despicable. Mm. But... There's a part of me, and I was very much aware of this, that this was recently. I'm identifying with him because I would like to be free to be that despicable if I wanted to. 
but I know, you know, I can't. Yeah. But, you know, what it must feel like to be that horrible. And, you know, you know, you, you, so it's tapping into a little something inside me that I find intriguing as he continues to get away with these things I could never get away with. Now, I don't like what he's doing, mm-hmm. but you got to admire the guy that he's doing it with such finesse and cleverness that he's getting away with it. So we can even admire horrible people who yeah. do horrible things because, and that's just because it's tapping them something. And so it's well written in that way, knowing that it's going to tap into an aspect of the viewer that they may not like within themselves, but it's there. It's actually there. Mm-hmm. So, so, it's, so in this case, it's because of, you know, these great storytellers that are out there that know how to pull those, those heartstrings or, yeah, pull those feelings of you know I want to be free. I want to I want to be able to do as much as he's doing, but I can't because you know moral compass and all this other stuff. Yeah, but, right. Or or in the other word, in many of people's eyes, it's it's against the law. You know, they don't want to yeah. deal with the punishments. Um, one of the things that I've also learned is that recently, recently, is that there are certain character roles that need to be that need to happen in every uh every story you know obviously you have your protagonists you have your antagonists uh you have your mentor uh many times you have a sidekick or uh mm-hmm. do i can never say the actual name of a deuterologist or something like that um but one there was one that really intrigued me and that was the skeptic mm-hmm why do you think that we should have at least some version of a skeptic in our stories? Well, yeah, there's skeptics, there's the cynics, there are the um, tricksters, there are a lot of other uh, quote, types, character types and stereotypes. But think, think about this. Um, this is a very personal question. I'm not asking you to answer it, Maccabee, but just to think, or anybody who's listening to think about this. As you are pursuing whatever you are pursuing in life, mm-hmm. your career, your whatever, wherever you're going, whatever your pursuit is, and maybe it's a short-range pursuit, like uh, to create something or build something or write a screenplay or whatever it is, be aware that as you pursue this goal, you have inside your head, not available to anybody else except you, a lot of voices. One of them, Maccabee, is the skeptic. One is the cynic. One is the ally who's, who, who thinks you're brilliant. The other is your nemesis who is out to destroy you. The other is the trickster who is out to trip you up. In other words, you have all these voices in your head. Which means if you're going to write a story about a character, that character has all these voices. Now, you can't have those voices play out like voices in the head, but you can assign those attributes to another character. And so then now this character is faced with all these different people. And let's say you're, let's say you're trying to write a screenplay, but your wife just mocks you. Says, "You write a screenplay. You can't even write a postcard." Now there's the critic. Have you been right? talking to my wife again? <laughs> and you, and you, you can also have um, quote the new quotes and quotes love interest mm. for the same character. You know, I'm going to write a screenplay. Is that a cut? Oh, really? You write screenplays? Well, whoever this character is, this is the new admirer. The, uh, uh-huh. who adores you, has nothing to do in this story except to make you feel good about yourself, which is also a way of de- deluding you and distracting you from the real goal. So all these characters have a function, and their function is presenting to the audience all the different aspects of that character that are actually going on inside his head all the time. And it doesn't mean he's insane or anything. It just means he's human. Uh-huh. Human, so yeah, I, I I love that that 
way of thinking about it because, you know, again, we all have these voices in our head. You know, obviously yeah. some of us take medicine for that. Others enjoy having, you know, union reps and stuff like that. But we also, as the storytellers, understand that those are characters that mm-hmm. are just waiting for you to just tell their story or at least allow right. them to tell their story. So right. is there a a really good way of getting those characters out of us? You know, I, I know that you have your own techniques. And if you could briefly uh, explain what those are, just so it could, you know, inspire other people to really just learn how to get out of the way of their characters. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing, yes, the technique which you're referring to is the interrogation technique. That's one of the techniques I've developed. I talked earlier about developing all these directing tools and techniques. The interrogation technique, which was originally developed and designed to work with actors, directors working with actors. It's not a technique that actors can use just by themselves. And it's for the director to use with the actor. And it entails, to keep it very brief here, the director not talking to the actor about the character or how to play the character or how to play the scene or any of that. Talking about none of that. But through the character, talking directly to the character, through the actor, I'm sorry, through the actor, talking directly to the character that lives inside that actor. Once that actor is cast, what we're trying to do is extract or release the character that lives within them. And the character does. And the way you have to do that is you have to bypass the actor whose desire is to control the character, build the character, develop the character, all those four things that we were talking about. Well, that's in a way, not the actor's job. The actor's job is not to get in the way of the character. The actor's job is to get out of the way and release the character. And through this interrogation process, you can release the character. Now, that's a, that's the interrogation process for actors. But your question was about for writers. When you're writing, all of these characters exist inside you. You come up with these characters, the mother, the father, the children, the neighbor, the boss, whoever these characters are come up with, and you start writing, well, where does it come from? Well, it just comes from you, which means all of these characters exist inside you. Now, if you really want to get to know, say, the boss in this story, we'll say it's still the story about the guy who's trying to prove himself to the younger generation. He has a boss. He works in an insurance company or something like that. I'm just making this up. But there is a boss. That boss character, as you're writing it, exists inside you. Now, can you release that character, release that character and get out of the way? You, the writer, get out of the way. This is the hard part. Get out of the way and don't try to control the process. Don't try to actually design the character. Let the character come out and tell you who he is, this boss. You'll be surprised what will come out if you go through this interrogation process. Now, it's a very different way of using it with the writer, because as the writer, you're stepping into the, quote, the role of the actor for a moment, saying, I have this character. And you need somebody else who is skilled at the interrogation process, which I can teach you if you really want to know about it. You can get in touch with me. But um, you have to learn how to do that. And then, and I've done this with many writers, I will interrogate the character that lives inside them, and they're amazed at who this character is. Now, it's their creation. It's not mine. I'm just facilitating a way to release it, the character, and you'll be surprised what will come out with this character that is actually helping you tell the story and helping you to get to know these characters better than... Um, if you are trying to control it, because when you write a character and you're trying to control it, you're limiting that character to your imagination. That's it. And when you think about your own imagination, you say, do I want to limit my characters to my imagination or my life experiences or whatever I believe? Or do I want to display or allow or release something that is beyond my imagination, that is far superior, far beyond, or more creative, or more imaginative than what I'm coming up with. And you can, and then now you're in a situation which is very unique. 
you are, as the writer, are actually collaborating with your characters as you tell the story. You're not controlling them. You're collaborating with them. Now, man, I'm glad you said all of that because one of the things that was popping through my head uh, while you were explaining all that was, you know, the fear that, you know, cancel culture has these days and and all these questions of like, you know, if, if a male is writing a, you know, a romance that involves a female, but he has no clue, you know, what that female really goes through because he's not, he doesn't have that experience. And I, I remember you saying, you know, you know, beyond your imagination, beyond your life experience, right. what would you say to people that are afraid of that situation coming up when it comes to, you know, allowing these, all these characters to, you know, tell their story? Okay, they're afraid of that. Well, first of all, we're going to touch a little bit on what you set up with that writer, writing the female character, and maybe not having the breadth or depth of experience or knowledge or awareness to write that character. And I would say, good, fine. I don't want the, I don't want his or her, you know, his or her imagination will help. But I really just want to talk to the character. And if I interrogated that writer as that character, he may be surprised what comes out of him. This female, you know, firecracker character who comes out of him. I said, well, okay, there's your character. She's in there. What you're trying to do is control her and not release her. If you release her now, the fear can be of this process of interrogation that you release something you don't want to release or that you're going to be shocked by what you release or disappointed by what there's all of that can go on. And that's a big part. Now I'm going to a broader spectrum for a second. That could be of storytelling where we writers, directors and actors want to control the story. So it stays within our comfort zone. But if you, if you stop trying to control the story and control the characters, it'll move outside your comfort zone. And you may end up with, characters and scenes and events that you go well and this can happen you go i have no idea where that came from and i said well it doesn't matter it's kind of fascinating yeah it's great okay then that's what we want so you, you are becoming a conduit writing is channeling remember that writing is deep writing is channeling controlled writing is not channeling but the deep writing when when everything starts to take over and characters start taking and you release them then you're in that, that sacred space of allowing characters and situations to go through you. Now, you had a second. That was the first part of your question. The sec, What was the second part of the question that you had? about uh, Dealing with the fear of cancel culture as well as people always saying, oh, um, say, again, this man is writing about a woman. You know, those people are like, I'm offended because of the way that you wrote this character. How do you like, really coach people to say, don't worry about that? Well, first of all, I would say if someone said to me, I'm offended about the way you wrote this character, I say, OK, so what? I, I love that. I know. It's, it's <laughs> you're, so, you're offended. OK, you're, you're offended by the way I, I wrote this character. Actually, you're offended by the character. You're not so much offended by the way I wrote her. You're offended by her because... I'm not her, mm. and I don't have the same beliefs and stuff or experience that she does. But she, you know, she's a real character on paper and all of that. She doesn't exist in the world, but she's a real character. And if you're offended by her, good, because as a storyteller, I want to have my my objective as telling a story is to take you on an emotional journey. Being offended is part of your journey. Your journey. I hit those little buttons. I triggered something inside you. It gets back to Maccabee. You said, why, why do I feel such affection for these characters? That's yeah. a button getting triggered. Oh, I've triggered another one. Someone's offended. I say, good. You know, I hope you can work it out. Whatever your problem is, I can hope, <laughs> hope you can take care of it because, you know, think about it. Offended by a character who's written, say, in a novel or a screenplay. Offended. Why? Who does that person think they are that they have to take up the banner against a fictional character that's presented in a book or a screenplay? What is their real problem? They've got some. In fact, 
you may want to write a screenplay about them because that's fascinating that they that they are offended and are going to take up arms against a fictional character. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It, it's you you know how it is in Hollywood and how it is yeah. in, in the world today. It's 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 insane. Yeah. But you know, I, I wanted to really put that out there because there are a lot of people that have great characters in them. They have great stories. Mm -hmm. They're just allowing these outside forces to try to keep a certain narrative to fit whatever other people want instead right. of allowing it to happen. I wanted people to hear it directly from you because you've had experience in creating so many great characters or unlocking so many great characters and mm -hmm. in some various ways. And, you know, these are things that even authors need to learn, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what medium it's for. Mm -hmm. Storytellers need to know this stuff and just let it out. So I want to take this time to thank Mark for being here and really enlightening us to allow <laughs> these characters to come out a little bit more. So we're at a point where normally at in the uh, in our interviews with authors, we ask some things specifically for them. But I like to modify just a little bit to fit our guests who are the experts in storytelling. So in this case, Mark, what is your directing kryptonite? What is your weakness? My weakness in terms of directing? Yes. Um, well, there are several. One is, um, which I have to be very, very careful about, because I believe that I am a brilliant director, and that's a weakness. Um, I've been told many times how brilliant I am, that I'm a genius. I've heard all that. That's a weakness. That can blind you to um making choices that are not that wise and blind you to the problems you might see in other words overconfidence in my ability and sometimes i have to step back and this is a wonderful thing because the relationship i have with my beautiful wife who does adore me and does think i'm brilliant but and it even happened today in a rehearsal she called me on something said wait a minute i don't think this is going to work now, she doesn't have anywhere near the experience or exposure to this world of, of directing that I do. But she had a great point. She was off a little bit on one thing, but the point was perfect. And I go, okay, good point. In other words, humility, a lack of humility, a lack of humbleness. And we have to be humble to the story, to whatever yeah. it is we're creating. It's the story that has to shine, <clears throat> not you, the writer. Not you, the director, not you, the actor, the story, the characters, that's what has to shine. So you have to be humble and respectful of them um, as you are developing them. And if you're writing them, as you're directing them, if that's the process, as, as if you're bringing them to life as an actor, if that's your process, whatever it be, be really respectful of those characters because they are as magnificent as you are and we want to present them in their magnificence and that's your your skill hopefully will allow you to do that and your humility will allow you to do that you know that yeah ego has a big way of getting in the way of a lot of absolutely ab absolutely so absolutely here's my here's another one is there a quote that inspires you to continue to do what you do, either in your writing, directing, or just being a you know a great person. Is there a quote? Well, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of quotes. There's the Martha Graham one, which I can't quote well. Ah, yes, that one. But you know that one. Yes, okay. um, that's that's one I um, hang on a lot. There's an Albert Einstein quote, which I really like, which is has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it has everything to do with everything to do with what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And when he says there are two ways of looking at the world or at life, one is if nothing is a miracle, and the other way to look at it is if everything is a miracle. 
insightful. <laughs> Take your choice. Take That's your true. Choice. I like that. I so I say, okay, everything's a miracle. I mean, when I look around me. It, yeah, it is. When you think about it, every, everything is a miracle. Another one is a Virginia Woolf one, which I heard years ago. It was Wayne Dyer who talked about this, or said it, quoted. And she, and this is a very simple one, mm -hmm. which I really like. She says, I think our goal in life is one thing, to manage the things that come our way. Ooh, I may have to steal that one. I may have to steal that one. Now that one's, and you really think about it, manage the thing, not try to achieve this, not to do this, not to become the best over the worst right. of this, not to create this, not <clears throat> manage the things that come our way. And many times when something happens, um, I will go, oh, okay, here's something that's coming my way or something, something that's yeah. about to happen. Yeah. Or I'm walking down the street and I see a homeless person. I said, okay, here's something that's coming my way. Yep. My job, and if you look at it more <clears throat> metaphysically, you can think, okay, the universe put this in front of me mm -hmm. for a reason. How do I want to handle it? How do I want to ha just handle the things that come your way? And life becomes very simple then. Just go through life managing the things that come your way. That is, that is very simple. It's very true, too. Yeah. All right. And final question. Oh my what God. is? I know. I know. It's so hard. <laughs> what is next for Mark W. Travis? What is next? Uh, <clears throat> well, there are a lot of things that are next. So this is a bigger question then on the there there are the projects that that are next i, I said we just came from rehearsal um and you maccabee have seen the film that we made a few years ago on the interrogation process which mm -hmm. if people write to me um i will give them a link to it they can they can watch it you can watch it for free on see how the interrogation process works and do you put links at the end of where people can write to me of like course that? of course okay Good. So, but I'll mention that. Anyway, that project, we're doing it again. Oh, really? Nice. Now we're doing we're doing something, because you've seen that, and that film mm -hmm. is all about how the interrogation process works. We're doing an experiment. We're doing it, um, we're taking a scene from Shakespeare, which makes it very, very tricky and very, very difficult. One scene. And we are... We had the first meeting about it today, and we're going to do it end of April, early May here in Hawaii. So if you're in Hawaii, I can tell you how you can come and see this event. It'll go on for six performances. Every performance is not a performance of a play. It, it, we will be working on one scene from Macbeth. That's what we'll be doing. So it's called the Macbeth Project. But every when you come and what you're going to watch is a rehearsal of us actually trying to figure out how we want to do the scene. So it's going to be a performance of, quote, a rehearsal. It's going to be very exciting. And well, it's, it's highly, highly risky, which is wonderful. Well, it sounds like it's going to be one of those. Again, Mark, thank you for being on here. Really appreciate it. It is time thank for you. the selfless promotional point. Where can find, people find you? Any <clears throat> new events coming up? The floor is yours. Okay. The best way to find me. You just write this down, Tiffy, T-I-F-I dot U-S, not com or anything else, Tiffy dot U-S. Now, that's our website. You go there, and through that website, you can write to me. You can contact me, but I'll also give you my direct line email address, which is very simple. It's Mark W. Travis, Mark W. Travis at gmail.com. You can write to me. Then, once you're in touch with us, we can keep you up to date on everything we're doing, the classes, the courses we're doing. We're doing a course right now in directing child actors, which is really fascinating. That what came after, as you know, Maccabee came after mm -hmm. the one about staging. There are other courses coming up. And if you go to the website, they're on the website. They're all there interviews. There's the film we were talking about, the rehearsal scene 22 film that we've been talking about. That's there on the website. I can show you where that is. And there are all sorts of interviews and the podcast will be there. So there's a lot of information on the website, but get on our mailing list and we'll keep you up to date. And if you want to, I'm going to make an offer to just because it's Maccabee, my good friend, one of my Aww. best friends too, is um, 
one half hour free consultation. And people, you need to take that too. If you are into storytelling, you need to take it and run with it because this man has so much wisdom. It's not even funny. So you have to, you have to mention Maccabee. You have to mention, mention this podcast. There you go. You got to mention Beyond the Pen. You got to mention it. You got to mention Beyond. I heard you Beyond the Pen. I go, okay. Then I'll know you're probably contacting me about the half hour. We'll have a little questionnaire that you got to fill out and you get your half hour free consultation. That's what you get. Mark, thank you again for being on here. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, everybody else, you know, thank you for listening to us. I mean, seriously, the, This guy has so much information out there in regards to the interrogation uh, technique, to just giving you insights into your writing, whatever the case may be. He is an amazing person. He's one of my favorite mentors. I love this guy, and uh, you guys will too, I I promise you. So go on to his his website, tiffy.us. And contact him, get your admit sure, make sure you mention me or beyond the pen, and you will get that first 30 minutes for free. I'm telling you, it will be so awesome that you will look at your characters in a totally different light than anything else. So thank you again for being on here. We really appreciate it. Everybody else, thank you for listening to this podcast and continue to share it with other people. And like I always say, keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go beyond the pen. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's Video On Demand and Livestream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.